0: Good morning, Westmobile. How are we doing this morning? All right. Y'all sound like y'all are the the 11 o'clock service now. I like the sound of that. That's good. Well, I'm pumped to be here. My name is Brian Drake. Um, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, but my wife Carla and I, we travel all across the country, across the world doing these crazy illusions that you're going to get to see some of tonight. I know you've seen the posters, you've seen the award-winning videos, I should mention award-winning video promotion. I don't know if you knew this, but your, your pastor actually could uh, could probably qualify for a SAG aftercard. He's, he's an amazing actor. When he passed out over here, pulled back the curtain a little bit, I definitely thought he was going to hit his head on the side of that... Uh, that chair, that would have been bad if he'd just concussed right there in the middle of the video. It would have sold the video well. You guys would be like, wow, that was a really great trick. But so uh, I'm excited about tonight. Tonight's going to be a really fun time. We are very pumped to be here 5 uh, o'clock tonight. Bring everybody you know, all the kids in your neighborhood, all the elderly in your neighborhood. That seems offensive to say. Let's see. The senior saints in your neighborhood, the senior sinners in your neighborhood. It don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Just bring them all. It's going to be an amazing night we be slinging candy. there would be so much candy, your kids would be like up, up till tomorrow afternoon, so it's fine. But it's going to be an amazing night. We're going to do our show. We're going to share the gospel. Now, my wife, Carla, is the other half of the show. She'll be here tonight. She is uh, the brains of the operation. And as I continue to speak, you'll see how true that is, that I am not the brains of the operation, as it were. But um, again, I'm from Mobile. I grew up here uh, down in the south end of the county in the Bayou Coden area. Okay, nobody, we're just all Westmobilians up here now. Like, I understand, that's cool. Like, the most exciting thing that's happened up here in a long time is the public's opening. Let's be honest. Like, I mean, come on, it's the best thing in the world. Like, it's two minutes from the house, it's, it's glorious. Anyway, but I just thought I'd give you a teaser today, though, of what's going to happen tonight. So I'm an illusionist, which means I do tricks, illusions, psychology, mentalism, all that sort of stuff. Now, it's all fake, right? Everything I do is fake. It's, it's totally, you can learn how to do what I'm doing, given, like, time and practice and, like, Lack of social skills. I'm saying, it's possible, right? There's a cost associated with it, but it's possible. So I thought we'd try something this morning to kind of tease what's going to happen tonight. So I need to borrow somebody. Let me borrow somebody. I see one of you. Oh, I don't. I, that seems very suspect, right? Like you with the hair. What's your name? Hunter. Hunter, you got good hair. I like that. Come with me, Hunter. Give Hunter a big round of applause. I, I'll, maybe tonight. Maybe tonight. You scared me the way he's like, "I'll, I'll do it, sir. Let me help you." Settle down there. I'm just kidding. What's up, Hunter? Come over here for me. You have a nice head of hair there, Hunter. Look, uh, I'm partial myself to hair. Uh, Hunter, let me ask you a question. You and I did not set this up, correct? You weren't in the first service either, were you? This would be lame if you weren't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you were not, and we didn't set this up. Do me a fair. I want you to shuffle these cards up mix them up as much as you can, and when you're done, Hunter, put them in between your hands flat like this. Just you take your time. It's fine. Idea, no, it's it's irrelevant, because basically you could throw them in the air, scoop them up on the ground, it would be a random order. When you shuffle a deck of cards, there are 68 million different combinations that you could shuffle an entire deck of cards, but we're going to narrow it down and do 300,000. It's good, you're doing great. I feel like they all just separated and came back together on top, that's okay. But yes, you're doing a great job, ish. Um... Do me a favor, put those in my, uh, first of all, make sure they're all different cards. Like you can do this with the same card. It's just really lame. You could all do this later on this afternoon. Got it? They're all different cards? Perfect. Put those in my hand face up. Yeah, where well, you can see the face of the top card there. Can you see it? Excellent. You're doing a really careful job, it looks like, over there out of my peripheral. Okay, do me a favor. Hold this in your right hand. Hold it up high. Hold your left hand here. Very patriotic. Look at that. All right. Come on. It's good. It's good. So what's going to happen is, essentially, you're going to take some cards off, and we're going to try to do something pretty crazy with these cards. Again, we did not set this up. I didn't talk to you at of time. Nobody talked to you at of time. So we're going to make a combination of 300,000 different combinations that it could be, and we're going to choose one today of those combinations. So you're going to take the top five or so cards off the deck. You're then going to hold them up against your face and look at them. And then we're going to do something kind of crazy with it. But first, you need to know two pieces of information about playing cards. Number one, there's letters and numbers aces or As. Numerically, though, they're one. So, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Then you have the suits. So, hearts look like hearts, diamonds look like diamonds, spades look like upside down black hearts, and clubs look like a puppy dog had a sawmill accident. You know what I'm saying? It's tragic. Yeah, it's dark. No, no, see, I know. see, that popped that guy pretty hard. I like that. He was like, oh, that was bad. Okay, look. Do me a favor. Make sure all your cards are out there. Yes? Mm-hmm. Perfect. This is face up. Mm-hmm. All right. Do me a favor. Take the top five cards off. You can do it one at a time. You don't have to just like group count. Right. If you can grab it five and know it, like I'm going to take you on the road. Perfect. You got it? Okay. When you're done, you got five? Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Hold them up in front of your face. Oh. It's a long way down there. Look at them. Shuffle them around in your hands a little bit. Yeah, actually, stop. Go back. You, okay, You do whatever you're doing over there. <laughs> give, me the, um, give me the ten of hearts right there. Go ahead and hand me that. Perfect. Um, keep looking at them. Shuffle them, mix them around a little bit more. Oh, it's the, it's the three of diamonds, right? Yeah, three of diamonds. Perfect, I'll take that. Don't let me write on you with this marker. They're expensive. But I, don't. Uh, I accidentally overwrote there. It looks like a sloppy mess, but this is not handwriting class. Um, you got It's weird. You've got a lot of repetition. Give me the 10 of clubs, right? Give me the 10 of clubs right there. Yeah. And now you've got two left, right? Look at them, and in your mind, choose between. It's weird. It's the same number, isn't it? Don't say it out loud, but it's the same. I feel like it's the same number. I could be wrong. If this doesn't work, that's fine. But... Um, I feel like I feel like you were looking at the 2 of clubs and switched to the 2 of diamonds. Tremendous. Give him a huge round of applause. Right there. Awesome job. Thank you so much. Thanks. What was your name again, buddy? What was your name again? Hunter. Good to see you, man. Thanks. So, uh, I'll pay you later. I'm kidding. We didn't set that up. Now, You're wondering, what in the world does it have to do with anything? And we're going to unpack it a little bit and kind of talk about this. I love this effect. It's one of my favorite ones to do. But tonight's going to be crazy. It's going to be a lot more stuff going on. But this morning, we're going to be talking about fear. Now, I know when some of you walked in here, you're like, we got to get a speaker. Fear struck your heart because you're like, does he know how long the Baytown Burger line gets after church? Because if you don't get there right at a certain time, you might as well just go home. You know what I'm saying? It's delicious burgers. They don't pay me to represent them, but they are fantastic. But anyway. Today, we're talking about fear. Now, obviously, we live in a time of fear. Everything is fearful. Everything is terrifying right now, right? Uh, to give you a little bit of background on us, though, so Carla and I, we've been doing this full-time in ministry since 2010, 2011, um, but we started in, like, 2008, 2009, just we would do tricks and illusions, and I was a junior high youth pastor at the time down in the south end of the county, and so I was like, well, it's Wednesday night. They can't go anywhere, so I'll just show them a trick and, you know, force them to watch and learn, and so I got better doing that kind of stuff, but... We are on the road typically in a normal year. We're going to unpack that a little bit. About uh, anywhere from 100 to 130 days a year traveling and doing stuff. We were just in Pittsburgh last weekend, and then we were in Thomasville, which is kind of like a different country, you know what I'm saying? It's a different area, you know what I'm saying? It's no Citronelle, you know what I'm saying? Like Citronelle is, you need a passport to go there almost. It's true. If you're from there, you know it's true. It's fine. You can admit it. They got a cannon pointing at you when you drive into town. It's crazy. Anyway, I love my Citronelle people. There's good folks up there. But... Um, but we're all over the place. And what's really cool is so we get to go into places sometimes and encounter people who would never step foot in church. So we were at Jackson State University uh, about two weeks ago. And we had about 200 college students come to the show that night. We'd go around and do card tricks in the afternoon at lunch and say, hey, check out the show tonight. It's going to be crazy. And we had 26 college students give their life to Christ that night. It was really cool to see that. We were Before that, we were in uh, Fort Worth received see at the pole. And we had 28 students give their lives to Jesus there. So it's just really cool to see people just respond in that way. But what we know, just like we sang a minute ago, it's not I, it's not me, it's Christ through us. And all of us in here can probably tell stories of how you've seen the gospel work in other people's lives through you being willing to say, hey God, here I am, send me just wherever you want me to go. And so that's what we do. We travel, we share the gospel doing these illusion shows. It's really fun. Uh, we have a good time with it, but it's more importantly, it's, it's a means to get the gospel out there. So today, though, like I said, we're talking about fear. So I want you to think of the things that you're scared of, right? Something that fear does, it paralyzes us, it stops us, it, it, it causes us to just stop in our tracks, right? And so I want you to think about really quick. We're going to open up to Matthew uh, chapter... Sorry, I can't read my own notes. Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to be. Uh, before we do that, I'm going to just hit you with a verse, though that I love. And it's going to kind of set the stage of where we're going. Because it's tomorrow's Halloween. We know like our culture is obsessed with the macabre. It's obsessed with like horror and terror. Some of the best-selling movies and things like that are these kind of, you know, slasher and things like that. We have a culture that is twisted in its mind of what's good and what's right and what's wrong. We've, We've twisted it around and we don't quite understand anymore, whether it's purposely or accidental, what is right and good and true. And Otherwise, we turn on our news, right? You turn on your social media. Uh, I'm a Twitter guy, so if you do your news through that, you can get, like, you know, quick news. It's easy to get fearful and depressed by events going on in the world. You see a world event, you go, oh, my gosh, how's that going to affect us here, right? You see something going on in your neighborhood, and you're like, oh, my gosh, there was a break-in. We, in our neighborhood, just this past weekend, there was a crazy party going, we live on a cul-de-sac. I don't even know how this is possible. And there was a crazy party going on. Somebody drove out of the neighborhood and totaled two of my neighbor's cars. I don't know how that's even possible because we live on a street that's not bigger than this room almost. So you can turn on that kind of stuff and go, oh my gosh, we can't go anywhere. I was just talking to one of the the guys here, talking about how people, we we live in a state of fear. Well, I can't go to Walmart anymore. I can't go to the mall. I can't do this or this or this because we constantly live in a state of fear. And some people, um, myself included, can be more susceptible to this. We just... We live in a, such a fearful state, and we, we don't realize where our help comes from. So anyway, enough about that intro. We're in Matthew chapter 14, but the verse I wanted to show you is 2 Timothy 1.7, and I love this verse. Some of you can probably quote it already. You've probably heard that, and you're like, oh, I know this one. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and discipline. So he's talking about, you know, actually self-control and things like that, and, and how to work out our salvation, things like that, and what it means to be a Christian. But it's not to be fearful, And we're going to unpack that a little bit more in a minute. So, Matthew chapter 14, 23, 31. If you got it, say got it. Good. Excellent. Y'all would have got candy at uh, Bible Drills for that. Okay. So, it says in Matthew 14, in uh, verse 23 is where we're starting. Sorry. Man, I got the wrong page. I blame the worship leader. was (laughs) his fault. I'm just kidding. It says... Immediately, this is verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Matthew is like the master of understatement, by the way. It's very lame is not the right word. It's just a very Bland way to say that, right? It's a bad storm, and you know it's a bad storm because the dudes who are raised on the water their whole lives are pretty scared in this moment. I, again, I grew up in Coden In the Bayou. My dad still builds wood boats to this day. He's one of the only guys who builds wood boats down there uh, to this day. He's got one building right now. He's. Well, I grew up on saltwater my entire life, but when a storm happens and you're out on the water, it don't matter how you could be Donald Duck, you could be uh, you could be Popeye the Sailor Man. And that storm comes up, you're like, this is nerve wracking, right? You picture that, that uh, uh, George Clooney movie with the perfect storm where there's like the wall of water sideways and your boat's in there. It's terrifying, right? Water, uncontrollable. The unexplained, the unknown is what's really terrifying to us. So it says, the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately... Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Let's pray really quick. God, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you just speak through me this morning that the words said will be your words, not mine. God, that everything we do today and tonight will glorify you, God. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So here's what's really crazy. I'm gonna unpack kind of our story in in a minute, but Dr. Tony Evans, one of my favorite pastors to listen to, he talks about how everybody in this room, outside, if you're watching at home, wherever, every one of us is either currently in a storm going into a storm or thankfully coming out of a storm but none of us are immune to that every one of us has had that happen in 2019 we were looking at our calendar for 2020 and we were going to have the best year we've ever had we were going to do some full circle events and by that i mean back when we got started at our first camp in 2008 thrown on stage in front of 500 teenagers in illinois way before we were ready for it but you know we just we learned we were thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could do that event? Wouldn't it be cool if we could perform at that camp or that conference or whatever? And so December of 2019, we're backstage. We're going on to the Georgia student. It's the Georgia YEC. They call it the MOVE Conference. There's three, 4,000 students there. It's going to be crazy. Uh, there's some just the biggest name artists are backstage. We're hanging out chatting with and stuff like that. And it's just really cool. In my mind, I'm like, this is so cool. I can't believe this is happening, right? This is a cool event to get to do. Um, Micah Tyler was there. I only mentioned him because Wednesday night, if you want to come check out at the fair, uh, Micah and Carla and I will be doing a, a show. It'll be crazy. It's going to be an amazing night. Wednesday night, it's a faith-focused night. I'm going to share the gospel from the grand stage on Wednesday night. So if you're there, if you're going to be at the fair Wednesday night, make sure to bring your friends and all that stuff too. But in that moment, I was like, man, this is so cool. And we're looking forward to 2020 going, oh, man, we're going to get to do a student camp that we never thought we'd get to do. We're going to get to do these conferences we never thought we'd get to do. And I started to get this ego or this... False confidence in my calendar, not where it belonged, right? Now, shortly before this, in December, about a week before, something crazy happened. So for the last two months of 2019 there, September, October, November, we were at a show in Ohio, and Carla went to pick up the suitcase, and she just picked it up slightly wrong, and she pulled a muscle, right? Basic, But it was giving her crazy pain for the next few months. And so one night in December, she gets up, and she's going to get some Advil. It's about 2 in the morning, right? And I look out, and I can look straight out of the bed to the, towards where our kitchen is, and I just hear, and I look out, and she's passed out behind the couch, just slumped down. And I was like, well, are you okay? What's, what's wrong? She's like, no, 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 it's fine. I just got dizzy. Uh, I just eat some Advil. I said, I said, you know what? You go to bed. I'll go get the Advil. I go get it. I come back to the bedroom and I look and I can see into our bathroom. And she's walking and I see this. This I'll never forget this. It's horrifying in my mind. She passes out mid-stride. She falls, she hits her head on the side of the tub. She's bleeding from her head. And, and she's passed out for a good 45 seconds. I am terrified. I scoop her up. I'm trying to wake her up, hoping that you know everything's okay. She finally comes to. I call her mom and say, Hey, can you come sit with our girls? We have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. They'll be here rummaging through all y'all's candy tonight, and probably be breaking stuff. They're, they're heathen. I think they got rabies, you know what I'm saying? So I call her. I say, hey, can you come sit with the girls? we got to go to the hospital, make sure she doesn't have a concussion, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. And we're just terrified. Right? She's bleeding profusely. So we go to the hospital. They stitch her up. They do um, whatever kind of scan they did. I don't even remember in this moment. But they put her in the tube, and they make sure she doesn't have a concussion. They say, hey, good news. You don't have a concussion. I was like, yes, we can go to sleep then. You know, that's what I was thinking. A little selfish, but you know, I was like, hey, it's 3 in the morning. I just kind of want to nap. And this is right here at Providence. And the ER was empty. Also a miracle. I never had before. You know, you've been there. It's like, oh, we've got a 17-day wait. What? Anyway, if you're an ER person at the Providence, you're you're great people. I just, it's, you have a reputation that's true. Um, So, so, but the thing was, he says to her, hey, um, everything's great. You don't have a concussion. Your head's fine. But it's probably nothing. You got a spot on your neck. Probably want to get checked out. Probably no biggie, but just wanted to let you know in case, because you know, we did the scan from here to here. So, okay, cool. So we go home. January rolls around. and We go, hey, maybe we should go check that out. There's, there's no symptoms. There's no issues of anything. So we go. They do an ultrasound of that spot on Carla's throat. It's in her thyroid. And they go, mm, I don't like the way that looks. It's, it's, this, the shape is weird. It's got a lot of vascularity we don't like. So we need to get a biopsy. Boom, alarm bells go off in my mind. Like, biopsy is not usually something that's followed up with like a molten chocolate cake. It's not like, oh, we're gonna have a biopsy and go to Chuck E. Cheese. It's like, what are those two, those are not a good thing, right? When you hear biopsy, you hear one other word that comes with it, right? And so I'm thinking, what in the world is happening? So this is January. We start hearing rumblings of this thing called COVID. I'm like, oh, it's not coming here. I literally was sitting in Newton, North Dakota. We were doing a college, my nephew went with me because Carla wasn't feeling good. And so he's playing in a snowbank like this high and I'm listening on the radio and they're like this is COVID-19 is like Psh, that'll never get here we're American right and so I, uh, <laughs> I say that January rolls to February we go we get the biopsy February rolls into March we get the results back and they say hey there's a 65 to 75 percent chance that you have thyroid cancer and as we're starting to hear these rumblings of COVID we don't know if we're going to be able to do the surgery so you need to figure out if you want to go now or try to hold off and wait we don't know so we decided to do the surgery. April rolls around. I drop her off. Many of you probably had this exact same experience. You had to drop somebody off. You couldn't go in. You could, they were like, don't even look in here. Look, Just look away as you drop her off. Like, oh, geez, Louise. I'll never forget. My best friend came and sat with me. Like, we were rebels. We were breaking COVID protocol by sitting in the same truck. It was crazy. but he came, I'll never forget that. He came and sat with me while Carla had surgery. But, um, but right before that, March, all the shutdowns started happening. In this calendar that I thought, oh, man. We're going to have the busiest 2020 of our life went from full to empty in six days. Every single event called and say, hey, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it. All the way out through December. And so in six days' time, I find out my wife probably has thyroid cancer and that I don't know how I'm going to support our family because this is, this is what we do as a ministry. Yeah, I've, I've got the support cards out there. You can find out how you can support our ministry. That's what we do. But I was like, how am I going to do this? What are we going to do? I've got two little girls at home. No help is coming on the horizon. I would lay my head down on my pillow and think, God, what is the deal? So she goes into the surgery. They take out half her thyroid. Thankfully, it had not spread into her lymph nodes, but she did, in fact, have thyroid cancer. We just went back in August, I believe. She'll be able to tell you a more specific date because she's better at stuff like that. But uh, we went in August, and uh, she's still, to this day, two years later, cancer-free. So we're really excited about that. But here's what I know. If you were to ask me, December of 2019, when I'm cradling her in my arms, passed out, she's bleeding from her head. Hey, is this a good night? I'll tell you, no, this is horrible. It's the worst night of my life. But now, in hindsight, looking back, I can see that God used that moment to show us that there was something wrong inside of her that could potentially have killed her at a given time. And we would have never known about it had that not happened. And I thank God for that storm that we went through at that moment. Here's what I love. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. I don't know what your storm is. I don't know what your situation is going on in your life. I know you got one. But here's what's important to remember. God's not on some far off vacation. He's not chilling with his homies. He's right there in your storm with you. God is there with us in our storms. Ever present. I know that sounds cliche, right? We do the whole foot, footprints thing, you know, this is the one I carried you. God is with us in our storm. I, 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 I think it's hard to understand that sometimes. We can look back in our lives and see, oh my gosh, God's fingerprints were all over that situation. And in the moment I couldn't see it, but now looking back I see that God was all over that. And I'm so thankful for that. But then it says, Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. I love this next part, right? I don't know why Peter decides it. Maybe he's scared of the water or the waves and the boat. He's like, I got to get out of this ship. I don't care what happens to these fellows. I'm going over there to Jesus, right? He knows where his help is, right? He knows, okay, I got to get near Jesus. That's where our response should be. I've got to get near Jesus. I've got to be close to him. I don't need to reject him and be angry and go, God, what's the deal? I'm not going to lie to you. There are moments all through 2019, excuse me, through 2020 and even the early 2021 where I would lay my head on my pillow after doing an event and still think, God, What's the deal? Why is this happening? Then I was reminded constantly that God's plan is so much better than my plan. Every time his plan is better, right? And so I love this. It says, Lord, if it's you, command me to get out, come to you on the water. And he said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. There's Matthew being understatement again. What's up with that? Your buddy just got out of a boat and walked on the waves, And Peter walked on the water. I would have spiced that up a little bit if it was me. You know what I'm saying? But it's just, he's so understated. And Peter got out and walked on the water. I was like, okay. Now, the rest of the dudes in the boat were like, what in the world's happening right here? All right, probably. Peter walks. No, we don't know how far he walked, right? We don't actually have a rate. It doesn't say, oh, Peter got 20 meters out, 20 cubits, whatever. We don't know. But what we do know, it's probably further enough away from the boat that he couldn't just reach around and grab it because what happens next, right? So he's out there. It, it doesn't matter how far he goes. What we see is that he's not immune to failing. Neither are we. You can be raised in church your whole life. You can be a deacon for 20 years. You can be blah, 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 blah. And none of us are immune if we let our guards down. There's not a single one of us who's immune to sin. Be like, no, no, that's not going to bother me. The second you say that, boom, you get chop blocked in the back or the front. I don't I do know how a chop block works. I think it's from the back. Anyway, you get a DDT. How about that? We'll do wrestling turns. You can just, poof, Jake the Snake nails you. Anyway, that's, you're welcome for that. Okay, so. But here's what happens. Peter says to him, Lord, if you come on, Peter got out of the boat. but see, So he starts walking towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. What's the next word say? Immediately, without hesitation, without pause, without a second's notice, immediately Jesus reaches down and grabs him. He doesn't say Jesus tossed him an oar and said, hey, paddle yourself out of that hole. I'll be over here. It doesn't say Jesus stood there with his arms like this. Hmm, you did a really bad thing there, man. You didn't, you looked away. It's a shame, man. What a shame. No, it says he immediately reached down and grabbed him. God's not a vindictive, petty God. He loves us. As a dad, it's, it's a lot, I'm not saying I understand it perfectly, obviously, but I more understand God's love for us now better than I did when I was just a teenager or high school. And not, Nothing wrong with that, I'm just saying. But when my little girl reaches up, and she still says, she's four, she says, I want to hose you, Daddy. She's going to hold me, right? But I'm picking her. I'm holding her. I mean, it'd be cute if I was six foot five. She was creatively me. That'd be adorable. But I love that. She could have just set her room on fire and was like, Daddy, I want to hose you. I'm sorry. I'd be like, of course, absolutely, right? We'll put that out later. It's fine. We have insurance. (laughs) But that's, look what happens. Jesus... Is where he's focusing. He's got his eyes on Jesus, and the whispers start happening. Fear creeps in. He knows where his help is. He knows where his source of help is, and yet his head turns. There's something in your life that's causing your head to turn. I don't know what it is. Maybe temptation. Maybe problems at work. Maybe family issues. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to take our eyes off Jesus, and look what happens. We sink because we think, I got this. These problems are too big for God. I can, he can't handle this. So I just need to make sure that I'm looking where I need to focus, When our eyes should be locked on Jesus. It says, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I mean, he's walking on the water in a storm. Why did you doubt? I laid my head on my pillow so many times after seeing God's goodness. Because when we went through that period where we didn't know where our income was going to come from, we would go to the mailbox And people who we had met once, twice, that we'd grown up with, they had sent us support. Say, hey, we wanna take care of you during this time. And through that and through other things, we didn't miss a meal, we didn't miss a payment, we didn't miss anything. God provided the entire time. And my ego was humbled into dirt when I thought, oh, I got this great calendar coming up next year. I hope in my life, I never get that confident in anything else again except Jesus. So when they got in the boat, the wind stopped. How about that? Jesus is supreme over our situation and our storm. Jesus is the one where help comes from. It's just amazing. So what do we do with that then? What do we do with that information that, you know, we're in a storm? Well, you could do what Peter did and mess up again. He does. in Luke this is crazy. Luke, he, uh, Jesus tells him, hey, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no, nah, no, nah, bro, not me. Not me, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm for life. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, uh, no, I'm not going to deny you. He said, Peter, tonight, within 12 hours, you're going to tell three different people you don't even know who I am. Bro, not me. I would never. Jesus gets arrested. The disciples split. One dude runs out of his clothes. He was so scared. Mark talks about that scared. And then here's what happens in Luke chapter 24. Peter's chatting outside. He's trying to sneak up and see what's going on. He's all incognito. He's like Metal Gear Solid. He's like, I don't want people to see me. The radar go off. is after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down. Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl seeing him as he sat in the firelight looking intently at him. That's my intently look. This man was with him too. But he did not. say, woman, I don't know him. A little later, another saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. It's two for two. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he's a Galilean too. Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. This next verse gives me chills to read it. You ever been caught doing something you know you shouldn't have been doing? Maybe as a kid, you're literally stealing. You've got something in your hand, stealing it. Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. I just, I was holding this candy that you told me not to take I was you're sneaking out of the house no what are you doing I was there was there's a robber I was gonna go shoot him in the backyard I was why do you have the car keys why well, he, he stole the car keys this is the Lord turned and looked at Peter could you imagine that cold sweat when you're looking up and Jesus looks right at you almost like I told you I told you I would be mortified now if that was the end of Peter's story we could beat up on him pretty bad. What a guy. I can't believe he denied Jesus three times. How many times have you ever been in a situation? I've been there. God's pushing on your heart. Hey, you need to tell your friend about Jesus. You need to tell your coworker. And you go, no, 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 no not right now. No, I don't, I don't want to, not right now, Jesus. I got to, you know, we're, going, we're doing our work thing. I don't want an awkward conversation. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? I had a friend who I, uh, I did something stupid in front of in high school. He knew I was a Christian. He's like, hey, Brian, I thought you were a Christian. And he, he had me dead to rights. I was like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. So that bothered me. It ate me up for a long time. It made me realize how I need to act the same in public as I do in private. I need to be the same person and not be a hypocrite, right? I shared that with my students. Ethan McGath, he's one of your church members. He was in my student ministry, uh, Benny and Julie McGath's kid. And he was in there. I told them this one Wednesday night. I said, hey, guys, you know, we need to be the same person. We need to make sure we're living our faith out publicly as well as privately. And all of a sudden, in my heart that night, and, and I'm, not, I'm not one of those ones, you know, it's weird. Like, I feel this impression in my heart. Like, hey, you need to call Brandon. That was the kid's name who I've acted a fool in front of a couple of years before. Hey, you need to call that kid. I was like, Jesus, come on. I got, that. I got time. I'm 19. I got time. A couple days went past. This is Wednesday night. Sunday rolled around. My pastor preached something about evangelism. I was like, ooh, I feel like he's talking to me. You need to call Brandon. No, I got to, no, just chill. I will do I mean, I'll email him. Okay. That way I don't even have to look if he responds badly, right? Well then that kind of faded and I was like, all right, forget it. Wednesday rolled around. I was working at a bank at the time. Remember the old Regions Bank that was in the Wendix and Tillman's Corner? I was in that bank. I pick up a phone call on the work phone. It was One of my friends from high school I said, Hey, did you hear what happened? I said, No, what's up? So Brandon killed himself last night. Now look, I'm not gonna sit here and act like had I done, had I told him about that the outcome would be different. I don't know. But what I do know to this day, 17 years later, is that I was directly disobedient in that moment. I denied knowing Jesus in that moment. Like, no, 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 I, I, I don't want an awkward conversation. So since then, it's not the easiest thing, I've hoped to live with the, the idea, the attitude. That Paul says in Acts that he's not ashamed of the gospel, right? No matter what, he's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power to save. I think too many times too, and I'm gonna wrap up here in just a second. I think too many times too, we really don't believe that Jesus can change someone's life. I know that sounds like I'm hitting you in the face with cold water, but it's true. I think we think there are people that are so far gone that Jesus could never really change that person. When you turn on the news, you see the person screaming with a bullhorn in someone else's face. Jesus could never change that person until it's you until you're the one that that was the person he changed i bet people said that about paul that guy not that guy did you see what he did last week there's no way see the problem is we do this categorical thing where we think well i'm this kind of sinner, but not that kind of sinner. ephesians 2 says when you're dead or colossians 2 excuse me when you're dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh he made you alive with him together having forgiven us all sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and hasn't taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. When Jesus died on the cross, the worst person you and I can think of, who we go, Jesus, I know you say you can change people's lives, but not that guy, not that lady. That same person is who Jesus died for. And my sin is not greater or worse. We're all dead in our sin. The Bible talks about we are dead in our sin. And the greatest miracle of your testimony isn't having one of those crazy testimonies. Like, I went to 14 high schools. I was on drugs. I was beaten. Those are amazing stories that God uses and redeems to tell people about him. But you go, I don't have his testimony. I was raised in church. Oh, but you do. You were dead, and you've been made alive. It's the greatest miracle right so i say all that today is the best day of your life you know why today's the best day of your life because in the chaos in the craziness we can all agree that it has been in the last few years everybody do this you know what that means you woke up with breath in your lungs now i know it sounds like i cheated that sounded corny i'm aware but think about this if you're in here this morning and you're a christian you're a follower of jesus You woke up with the chance to share the gospel, to build the kingdom, to disciple and teach somebody else. You woke up with that opportunity. How cool is that that God allows us to be part of building this kingdom? If you're not a a believer in here, maybe you're hearing for the first time that there's a God who made you, who loves you so much that even though we sin, we're sinners, and our sin separates us from God, that same God loved us so much that he came to this earth and died on a cross, a painful, brutal, bloody death for one reason, because he loves you. He loves me. I don't know your story, but today, in the chaos and craziness, you may be hearing that for the first time. Hey, uh, Hunter, let me ask you a question. We did not set that up, correct? You shuffled those up, and normally I can say this for the first time ever, but for the second time ever, possibly that combination was given. You know why? So some of you are looking at it like, why did he write the three so weird over the ten there? Well, there's a reason. As you shuffle those cards up, and there are 300,000 different combinations, and yet today, we're given this. Today, October 30th, 2022, or as some people might say, 10, 30, 22. The choice is up to you. In the chaos, in the craziness, in the shuffled up, mixed up mess of this life, we could choose to live in that and say, in sync. Take our eyes off Jesus and sink. Or we can keep our eyes on him and realize that his plan is better than our plan every single time. Let me ask you to do me a favor. Nothing weird, nothing crazy, but just for the sake of the person sitting next to you, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to ask you two questions. How many would say this morning, you hearing me talk about sin and death and Jesus and, and new life and being made new. How many would say, hey, Brian, I hear you talking about all that. And I know for a fact that I'm a follower of Jesus, sold out follower of Jesus. He's the king of my heart, the king of my life. If that's you, lift up your hand high. Hey, thanks for your honesty. Say, hey, I'm a, I know for a fact I'm a believer. Second question, you can put your hands down. Second question sounds pretty similar, but it's a little different. How many would say, hey, Brian, I hear you talking about sin and death and Jesus and how he loves me. But I'll be really honest with you, bro. I don't know. I don't know. I've never given my life to Jesus. If that's you, put your hand up. No one's looking around. Hey, thanks for your honesty. Listen, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And if you want to make today the day you say yes to that, to what? Well, the who of the problem is that God loves us. The what of the problem is, is our sin. We're broken. We're messed up. The why is that he loves us, but the how, this is the coolest part. Say, okay, how do you pass from death to life? How do you have new life? What is all that about? Here's the coolest part. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 9, a few verses earlier says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice, it doesn't say you got to take a test and pass with a 70 or better. You got to pay a fee you got to push somebody else out of their spot. you got to be a good person. Notice it doesn't say any of that. If we realize that we're broken in our sin, but that God loves us so much that he died for us. And he rose from the dead. And he's given us that opportunity to have that new life. If you believe that in your heart today, then I want you to pray this with me. But understand something crystal clear. I couldn't make this any clearer this has absolutely nothing to do with the words specifically that you're saying. It's not some sort of magical prayer that you've got to say these words in this order. Absolutely not. You can say in your own words, as long as your heart tonight, this morning, truly believes that God loves you, even though you're a sinner, and he died for you, and he rose for you, and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. If you want to make today the day you say yes to that, then I'm going to pray. And you can pray this with me. Just say, hey, God, it's me. And I realize today that I'm a sinner. And on my own, I'll never be good enough. God, I realize today on my own, I don't have to be. I believe you are who you say that you are. And that you can do what you say that you can do. God, forgive me of my sin. Save me. Change me make me new hey keep your eyes closed for just another second I'm going to ask you one more question and I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Kevin if you made that your prayer this morning to say yes to Jesus would you just hold your hand up, no one's looking around just hold your hand up right there hey thanks for your honesty listen I'm going to pray and I, I'm not naive enough to think that there, everybody in this room has got everything going on that's perfect and everything's alright I know that some of you have stories that would make my story pale in comparison to the horrors that we've seen in the last years or in your life. But what I know is God is right there with us, and his plan is perfect, and we can trust in him and keep our eyes on him. Maybe you need to pray with somebody this morning. We've got leadership. We've got Pastor Kevin. He'd love to play with you, pray with you. Maybe you've got something going on in your life. Maybe you need to reconcile with a friend, a family member, a loved one. Whatever it is, you be be obedient to God in this time. God, we thank you. Would help us to just trust in you and to put our faith in you in the storms that we face, God. And to be rejoicing when we come out of those storms knowing that your hand was with us the whole time. It's in Jesus' name.